only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Recorded live. Hi, everybody. It's Bill Windsor. It's uh, four minutes until showtime. Can y'all hear me okay? If so, Pat or somebody put a little uh, text message in there. Pat? No, no, we can't hear you at all. You can't hear me at all. Sounds like you're in jail. Well, close to it. No, that's (laughs) a joke, Billy. We can hear you. So how are you doing, Pat? Well, I'm still battling the same old shit. Yeah. Well, I think that seems to be the case with just about everybody. Well, Bill, you know, I'm going to win. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I I am too. Eventually, if you remain upright. Well... I am uh, unfortunately got really sick today, so I'm not sure how long I'm going to last. <clears throat> Been throwing up all day, so I'm going to do my best to hang in there. And because I have canceled several of these things, and I just, the last thing I could do is cancel it. But yeah, if I if I say Pat, take over for a minute. I'll I've got a little uh, glass bowl here to throw up in. <laughs> I'll try. Yeah, I'll try my best. So I see we have Hans. He's new, but he's been sharing some email with me. And that stupid American is here from Oregon. So uh, North Georgia. That could be anybody. That could be uh, that could be Hawaii, actually. Anyway, I'm going to give it an, another couple of minutes here before we start. <clears throat> Just wanted to get logged in to make sure. Um, well, Hans, I think you're already, uh, yeah, it is time to call in. Yeah, your name is showing up. But who are it you doesn't happen. Pardon me? Who are you talking to now? Hans. He's asking if it's time to call in. I said, yeah. Oh, oh. Because his little phone is not lit up. So for those of you who are on, if you want to talk, you have to call in and get set up to talk. And if you're just wanting to listen or whatever, you can just listen in, and uh, we'll we'll um, <clears throat> probably not allow participation from guests tonight since we've had such a problem with that in the past. Mm. I'm sure that probably the greatest number of listeners tonight will be the Joey's Little Kid people. So I posted a message to them saying they're not invited, and I consider it stalking if they're here. So you guys are all stalkers. So who we got? Let's see. We got South Dakota, and we got two North Georgias that can talk. Who's here from North Georgia? Is one of those uh, Hawaii? Give us a give us a note, North Georgia. 
North Georgia has hung up. So we have one North Georgia instead of two. All right, well, I think it's probably uh, close enough to time, six o'clock on my uh, my computer here, mountain time. So um, <clears throat> let me just get started and say this is Bill Windsor. This is the Lawless America Show. And uh, we uh, we used to do this, gosh, three times a week. But started canceling them and then never could get one rescheduled. So this is the first one we've done in, gosh, well over a year. And I... I am I am sick tonight. I've been throwing up all day. Hate to discuss, you know, means of being sick, but I don't know how long I'm going to be able to last. So this may be a short version, and we may just resume again next week, same time, same place. But I wanted the chance to say hi to everybody, let you know that I'm alive and reasonably well. 134 days in jail. You know, and that does take its toll on you. Um. I am extremely, extremely is not the right word, the, the doctor said severely claustrophobic. So you can imagine being locked up in tiny little spaces. And it was really especially bad in Idaho where they had me in what was like maximum security. We only had a guaranteed hour and a half out a day. And otherwise, you're locked in a room with three other guys in a tiny little room and without my medications. So <clears throat> most of you who filmed with me and saw that I have a tremor, I've now got an earthquake. Uh, as a matter of fact, we would have soup served in a bowl in, um, in Idaho, and those guys would scramble for cover whenever I came through the line with my soup, and they finally designated somebody to come and carry my soup, uh, lest somebody get scalded with it being spilled on them. It really, the shaking is really bad, and uh, spoke to the Nurse practitioners, about the best you get in jail, spoke to the nurse practitioner, and she said that it's, uh, uh, she believes it's just uh, uh, the effects of, uh, of the claustrophobia. So I've got that, and then I don't know where this upset stomach came from, but it just came out of the blue, but really bad today. Um, I was filming, and all of you know, or many of you know, that the whole idea behind the effort that I was making was to try to expose government, judicial, and law enforcement corruption. And so I set out and filmed a ton of people, and I've lost track of how many. Way over 750. Had 7,001 to be filmed. And I took off in 2013 to film the backstories of the best of those interviews so that we could bring those to life in the movie. Because just people sitting in a chair talking is not uh, very exciting. And uh, did some excellent ones and, uh, you know, probably covered about oh, a third, maybe half of what I wanted to cover. And um, a couple things happened. Had an accident. Have fell or, or coughed my way into tearing my abdomen open, a huge gaping hole. And uh, a giant hernia. It's kind of like an orange sticking out of my stomach. Really nasty. So I was scheduled for surgery on it. Had to put traveling and everything on hold. Scheduled for surgery the second week, I think it was in December of 2013. And slipped and fell on ice, fractured my skull. Basal skull fracture all along the base of my skull and up over the right ear. Lost all the hearing in my right ear as blood was gushing out of my right ear. 
and it was couldn't hear anything out of the right ear for about three or four weeks. Finally, part of the hearing returned, and I probably got about 60% of the hearing back. But I can really tell the difference. If somebody's on my right, I constantly tell them I can't hear them very well. So still haven't had the surgery on my abdomen and my hernia. Got very busy with the lawsuit against the Joey's Little Kid people. And when I was up filming the story of Sean Bushy uh, in, in Missoula, Montana, um, I was served with a, a temporary order of protection. And uh, that was good for 20 days. And there was supposed to be a hearing. There was never a hearing. But we've got some judges up here that want to claim that it's still valid. And they want to claim that what I did from Texas violated that protective order in Montana. And, you know, without going into all the details about why this stuff is all bogus, I'll just tell you it's all bogus. But these judges, of course, can do whatever they want. And the prosecutors can do whatever they want. And they're doing that. And um, <clears throat> there's a law called the Uniform Domestic Violence and Protective Orders Act that 17 states have enacted. And in those 17 states, a temporary order of protection issued ex parte, meaning that the guy who the protective order was issued against didn't have a chance to speak at a hearing before the judge, uh, those are invalid. So in Texas, one of the 17 states, as is Montana, as is, is Idaho, interestingly, uh, the thing the protective order, even if it still existed, would not be valid. And um, uh, the things that I that I am accused of doing were sending an email to the attorney for the University of Montana, um, sending a tweet that included the name Sean Bushy in it, publishing two articles online that were articles about Sean D. Fleming of Madison Heights, Michigan, but they were reproductions of legal documents where Sean D. Fleming had mentioned the name Sean Bushy. So there was a total of four times the words Sean Bushy appeared in these two legal documents. <clears throat> so that and not giving up my uh, SeanBushy.com uh, website to Sean Bushy based on a temporary order of protection that, that expired, um, these guys filed five charges, two misdemeanors and three felonies, filed them all at the same time, looking for seven years, uh, put me in, in the Montana State Prison for seven years. Uh, so that's what, that's what I'm battling. Now, I knew nothing about any of this, and I came out of a hearing in the lawsuit against the Joey's Little Kid people in Ellis County, Texas, and as the hearing was taking place, there was some noise in the back of the courtroom, and I turned around and looked, and here was the... the the prosecuting attorney, the district attorney, Patrick Wilson, not a deputy prosecuting attorney. It was the Patrick Wilson. Right next to him was the sheriff, not an assistant, the sheriff. And in the back row were about eight or 10. There might have been a total of 12 deputies because there were some on the other side of me sitting in the jury pool. Uh, there had to be eight, 10, 12 sheriff's deputies there. So it was quite a turnout. And I thought, wow, there must be something big going on after this. And as I exited the courtroom after the hearing was over and got on the elevator, three or four of these guys uh, hopped on there with, with me and said, what's your date of birth? I told them, and they said, we have a, a warrant for you out of Montana. For, I said, what for? And they said, well, we, don't, we don't, don't really have that information. We're just told to take you to the jail. So they took me to the jail where I spent 53 days. 
held on extradition to Montana. Now, everything, basically everything that they did there was, uh, was illegal. I was denied bail. Uh, the jail claimed and the court claimed that Judge John W. Larson here in Missoula, Montana, was the one that decided whether or not I got to get out on bail. Now, those of you, most of you are very familiar with legal stuff. No judge in Montana has jurisdiction in Idaho or Oregon or Washington or Wyoming, much less Texas. They only have jurisdiction in the state that they're in. So the idea that some judge can tell you whether or not the bond is going to be accepted is just is just outrageous. I came up with the Texas bond, then I came up with the Montana bond, and they were all rejected. So I was stuck there without access to legal stuff, trying to get in front of a judge. And after 53 days, I got in front of Judge Cindy Ermentinger, argued the law, which I'd well-researched, thanks to friends who were mailing stuff to me to read, et cetera. And, uh, and I was released. I was released on my own recognizance. And I had two stipulations. I had to either appear in her court on January 21st for a hearing, or I had to turn myself in in Montana. And we discussed at length my claustrophobia and, and you know, the, the transcript is crystal clear on what the terms were. And she said, if I were you, I would, you know, get headed up to uh, Montana. So I did. Left on December 29th. And as I'm in Oklahoma, I get contacted saying um, that a hearing has been set for the next day. Well, I didn't receive any notice of any hearing. And my agreement was that I was to be able to turn myself in in Montana. So I didn't turn around to go back and uh, never received notice. They, uh, the prosecuting the district attorney, Wilson, claims that he faxed it to the Marriott Hotel. Well, I, when I heard that that was what they were claiming, I called the Marriott Hotel. They received no fax. They received no letter. Uh, so they just you know, made the stuff up as they have a habit of always doing. So I proceeded to uh, head up toward Montana, but they then ordered uh, that my bond was, uh, I guess they quashed it, and uh, issued an uh, arrest warrant out of Texas claiming I had, had committed bond jumping. So I was waiting for, a, had extensive, well extensive, eight or maybe nine communications between me and the prosecuting attorney in uh, Montana. Um, that might be high six, uh, about appearing, et cetera. And I filed a motion to have the judge removed because who do they put as the judge in my criminal case? But Judge John W. Larson, the guy who had screwed me when I was, uh, was here before. So uh, I knew I wanted to get rid of him, and I, I moved to have him removed. He removed himself, and he named the judge who I felt was probably the second most corrupt judge in Montana. Judge uh, James A. Haynes. Now, so for now, at least, Judge James A. Haynes is the judge in my case. So I am um, in the Federal Express store in Meridian, Idaho, uh, waiting to hear when a new judge was assigned and when the hearing was going to be set. And at this point, I had lined up an attorney in Missoula, I was going to go meet with the attorney in Missoula and then turn myself in. When I'm standing in an AT&T store, <clears throat> And I hear, William Windsor, put your hands behind you and your thumbs up. And I looked at the two male clerks that I was dealing with, and their eyes were bigger than saucers. So I'm 
believe that these officers, six of them, came in with, if they didn't have their guns drawn, they had them on the uh, on their on their hips, ready to draw. Uh, so here I am, this terrible criminal. And turns out that uh, District Attorney Patrick Wilson apparently faxed my wanted poster that he worked up for me to every Federal Express store and post office uh, apparently in the country. There was a filing by a uh, prosecuting attorney in Idaho that said it was distributed nationwide and massive distribution of all this stuff, and I'm just this atrocious criminal. My bond at that point was set at $4.1 million. $4.1 million. I'm accused of, of allegedly violating a protective order by sending an email, publishing a guy's name four times, and sending a tweet, which I never sent. And uh, $4.1 million. So I was repeatedly denied the opportunity to get bond posted, get bond reduced, uh, everything in Idaho. Uh, my jail experience there was they gave me one hour a week in the law library, which gives you about enough time to open a book or two or get on a computer and barely get started. Um, at least in Idaho and Texas, I was given a ballpoint pen refill to write with. Once I got to Missoula, Montana, they only give you a golf pencil. So I literally wrote with a pencil on all my filings since I arrived here. So I filed, I knew they broke all the same laws relative to extradition in um, uh, Idaho that they had broken in Texas, with maybe one or two exceptions. So I filed a petition for it of habeas corpus. The judge denied it without paying any attention to it. And then they came and read me a, one day they, they said that they had a governor's warrant. Uh, they never served me with a governor's warrant, but they said they had one. And I asked for a copy of it, and I was, that was, a request was declined. And um, so I immediately filed another petition for writ of habeas corpus relative challenging the, uh, the uh, uh, procedures that were followed in this alleged governor's warrant. Now, when you do that, the case, the, the matter is stayed. And according to the statutes, which are the same in every state, is very rare exceptions to the extradition statutes, the Uniform Criminal Extradition Act, uh, the statutes are the same. The statute says that you have the right to file that habeas corpus, and until it's been, been dealt with, the state that's holding you doesn't have the authority to turn you over to someone. But here, a day or two after I filed that, here comes two really nice sheriff's deputies from Missoula, Montana, to pick me up. And I said, well, you guys can't pick me up. I filed a petition for writ of habeas corpus. And they said, we're here to take you. So they took me off and drove me seven hours to Missoula, Montana, where I spent the next 46 days in the Missoula County Detention Center. So I've been in the Ellis County, uh, Texas jail, the Ada County, Idaho jail, and then the uh, Missoula County Detention Center. 134 days, certainly an interesting experience. I'd never been arrested, charged with a crime or anything ever before in my life, so it was uh, it was interesting all the way around. Uh, learned a lot. I thought it was, you know, it's kind of an opportunity money couldn't buy for the first week or so in Texas, but then it got very old, and I didn't need to repeat it in a couple more jails. But I finally got out here about two weeks ago, Got my bond lowered from 4.1 million all the way down to 5,000. 
And uh, as luck would have it, all these plans were made to have the 5000 ready and get it paid. And, and what happens? Nobody's there with the money. And then they had no – I agreed to an ankle monitor. I have this lovely uh, GPS monitor on my right ankle. It's huge. This thing is gigantic. And um, uh, so I, they didn't have one anywhere in, in the Missoula area. So thank heavens a woman named Christina was kind enough to drive a couple hours away the next morning and get it because the idea of having to spend another weekend in that jail when I knew I had a free pass to get out was, uh, was pretty hard to swallow. So I finally got out, and I, I can go anywhere in the country. I signed an extradition waiver that, that uh, Montana can come and get me anywhere, and I won't fight him again. So I can go anywhere, but it's really not too practical because the judge set a pretrial conference for uh, last Friday, but it's been postponed now, and he set the trial for June 22nd. So it's all I can do to work on everything until uh, – uh, till we have these various little hearings and there's dates for motions to be filed and everything else. I'm representing myself. I did hire attorneys in Texas, Idaho, and Montana, uh, with the exception of some of the things done by the lady in Texas. And if there are any of those folks who are listening, I apologize to you, but what a gigantic waste of money. Um, they didn't do anything for me. They didn't know the law nearly as well as I did, and they kind of, you know, either didn't accomplish what they were going to accomplish or choked up when they were in a hearing. So I've said again and again, I'm just never going to pay a lawyer, but a couple of friends said, oh, we really want you to hire a lawyer, and so I did. It was a bad decision. So I'm 66 years old. My mother died when she was 49. My dad did live to 89. I don't know how long I'll be around, but if I get sent to the Montana State Prison for seven years, I may not come out alive. Um, the movie will end with one of two things happening, either me being found not guilty or me being escorted into the Montana State Prison shackled. And uh, I will arrange for a film crew here to try to get pictures of some of that wherever it may happen. And... Uh, the judge has said the trial will be three days, January 22nd to 24th. And I'm, I'm trying to get the judge removed because he's one of the people I plan to call as a witness in the case. Without going into a lot of detail relative to Sean Bushy, you can read about it on, on lawlessamerica.com uh, for going as long as 10 years. Uh, he has been uh, protected by people and all over this part of Montana. And it seems like he can do whatever he wants, and then he, he gets protected. So um, Judge Haynes previously had dealings with, with, uh, with Sean Bushy. Crystal Cox tried to get a protective order against Sean Bushy, and Judge Haynes denied it. I think this was August of 2009, if memory serves me correctly. August 2009 denied it saying she didn't qualify for protective order because he hadn't been convicted yet. Well, everybody knows that you don't have to be convicted or arrested even before somebody can get a protective order. The protective order is for the purpose of getting some protection before law enforcement has fully gotten involved. Well, let's fast forward to August 2013. I never appeared before him, but appeared before him on paper. 
Judge James A. Haynes. And what does Judge James A. Haynes rule? I didn't qualify for a protective order against Sean Bushy because he hadn't been arrested or convicted. Unbelievable. So that's my judge. And uh, I'm hoping that I can get him removed. He clearly has a relationship with multiple people who are involved in this. And um, uh, it's up at the Montana Supreme Court, who's been nothing but horrible to me, so I don't know if they'll do you know, anything right or not. So we'll see. And hopefully it won't take a lot of time. Uh, I would like to get the show on the road here, but I've been denied all forms of discovery. I haven't been allowed to set up depositions, get any subpoenas, you name it, not a thing. So uh, I would say that the one thing I would tell people about being in jail is if you have somebody, a friend or relative or, or whoever that's in jail, do anything you can to help them. They don't even know how to spell the word constitution in jail. You have no rights. And jail is not terribly horrible, but boy, if you need to be having your rights protected in some way, or you need to be dealing with legal issues while you're in jail. I mean, you're just you're just screwed. So that was uh, quite an eye opener. Well, you know, in Texas, there were young men there had been waiting for three months to get a public defender assigned to them. And I would say, you know, the people I met in jail, most of them were awfully nice folks, and uh, hardly any uh, terrible uh, uh, criminals. Almost everybody was there for things like. Uh, drinking or drugs or violation of their uh, probation or parole by drinking or using drugs. Uh, Larry's asking, what am I crimes I'm charged with? I'm charged with violation of a protective order, a Montana protective order on things that I did in Texas where they weren't against the law. But I think it's 45-5-626 Montana code. That that's off the top of my head. That may not be exactly right. But five counts. <clears throat> now, interestingly, in Montana, the first two charges that you have, the first two convictions, are misdemeanors. So they just put all five of the uh, charges on at once and claim three of them are felonies, even though there hasn't been a conviction. So I filed a motion on that. But again, you know, it, the idea of somebody actually doing what the law provides uh, is, is probably slim and non-existent in terms of anything that I'm dealing with. So I, I don't mean to sound like such a downer. Usually I'm, you know, upbeat even now. I try to laugh and stuff, even though it's a horrible situation to me in. Uh, but I'm just, I'm sick, so I can't even get my enthusiasm up to, to uh, uh, hey, Crystal, to um, show my personality that I normally might show. I, you know, I'm certainly, I can't imagine that I'll be found guilty. I mean, I just can't imagine. I didn't violate any law. Um, but what I was told by, they assigned me a public defender. I didn't tell them I didn't want a public defender. I was assigned a public defender as backup counsel. So I think they just wanted to have somebody so they could keep me from getting copies of things that were being filed. And I finally terminated the person saying it's more of a hindrance than it is a help. But he was helpful when I first met with him. He said, when I told him the brief history of what I'd gone through, how I had gone and tried to every law enforcement agency and four courts trying to get a protective order against this guy who says he shot at me uh, on the highway as I was driving into town, who is, has stalked me like crazy since March of 2012. Um, he said, well, you're going to lose. 
that wasn't too happy. So you're going to lose. And I, he said, so what you need to do is you need to uh, set yourself up for appeal. And so I'm good at doing things like that. So in terms of documenting uh, things that take place, uh, continually complaining when my constitutional rights are violated, uh, I you know focus on that because uh, I suspect the judge will do things that will possibly call, cause me to lose. So I would love to think that 12 uh, nice folks from Montana would sit there and you know wonder, we want to put this guy in prison for sending an email and publishing a guy's name three times online and allegedly sending a tweet. Uh, it's kind of hard to believe. I believe, and I'm not going to tell what I know at this point because I, and I'm not even sure that I know what I think I know. But some information has come to me here since I've been out of the pokey uh, that I believe tells me the um, uh, the story of what happened behind the scenes in all this. And I don't want to discuss that until hopefully I get a chance to do that at the trial or at some appropriate point. But uh, I believe the prosecutors here were told that they had to do this. I mean, how can you sit there and and uh, uh, say that publishing a person's name, a human being's name, sending an email to an attorney that you're required to send under the Rule 5 of the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure, uh, that these are violations of the law, felonies? I just think somebody probably told them they, they, uh, they had to do it. So they scheduled a meeting with me on Thursday. And the meeting was attended by one of the senior most people with the Missoula County Sheriff's Department, uh, Captain Bill Burt, with the so-called investigator in this case, uh, Chris Shermer, the prosecutor, Jennifer Clark, and uh, a young guy who's still in law school named uh, Tyler Duggar. And it was an interesting discussion, and uh, you know, I've just tried to, I said, you know, tried to say, what in the world are you folks prosecuting me when you, you know, the guy who, who has told you that I did things, he's the crook, you know, he's the criminal, and they just don't. They're so busy, they don't have time to read any of this stuff. And I said, well, look, I'm going to make it really simple. And, and they were concerned with me believing that they were corrupt. Uh, they seemed to be sincerely concerned with that. They didn't like the idea of me thinking they were corrupt. So I said, all right, I'm going to put together the information and make it as simple as humanly possible for you to establish that Sean Bushy has committed violations of filing false police reports, false swearing, it's called, uh, when you do an affidavit like he's done two of with false statements in them. So I've worked on that, and I've still got two or three things to do. To just, and I'm just going to give them a little simple, little point-and-click deal. And uh, I've actually even the thing I haven't completed is preparing the the exhibits for the subpoenas that they can send about four, five, six places in order to determine that Sean Bushy is the one who sent all these emails threatening Crystal Cox and me and this, and uh, married Deneen and assorted others. And but they keep wanting to say, oh, but you you could have done that, or Crystal Cox could have done it. Well, you know, horse manure. Um, I've got tons of proof. 
all crisscrossed in terms of the various emails and IP addresses that were used by this guy. Almost all of the emails that he posted came from Verizon Wireless BlackBerry. I don't have a BlackBerry. Crystal Cox doesn't have a BlackBerry. John Bougie has a BlackBerry. And um, so I thought for the for years that he was just using a proxy server, but instead he was just using his Verizon Wireless, and he would just automatically get whatever IP address the the Verizon Wireless picked up on. But because he was doing them from the same general locations, uh, he picked up on the same IP addresses many times under many of the different email addresses that he used. Now, of course, none of this is probably going to matter for the the trial. However, Sean Bushy is one of the witnesses, so you better believe I'm going to be prepared to impeach him. And uh, I would also like to, I'd, I'd like to argue for jury nullification. And uh, it, some of you be familiar with that. Jury nullification is basically where you say uh, to the jury, look, even if you think I'm guilty, you need to find me not guilty because this is ridiculous. And uh, obviously you go into a little more than that. But basically that's, you try to educate them on the fact that they have the right to uh, to say no, and there was a recent jury nullification case here in Montana that involved uh, a small amount of possession of uh, of uh, weed. I've been told to call it weed by the guys in jail. A uh, small amount of weed, and uh, the jury found the guy not guilty because they just didn't think it right the penalty this guy was facing for you know having a little teeny bit. So um, I'm going to argue that. I have several key motions uh, that I'll be filing. The, probably the main one is a motion to dismiss for uh, lack of jurisdiction. Um, they don't have jurisdiction over me or things that I've done in Texas in Montana unless it had some impact in Montana, and only one of the five charges had any uh, had any uh, had any impact there. So. Um, that's a rambling report of what's going on. Uh, it gets crazy. Uh, let me tell all of you that I have the extradition law is the same in every state with rare exceptions. And I've set up a site, TexasExtraditionLaw.com. So if you ever have yourself or a friend or a relative or whatever who gets put in jail and is being held on extradition, go right straight to that website. And then you can match up the, the state that they're in the statutes with the Texas statutes, and uh, you'll know what the law is. They just they don't even begin to go by the law when they're holding people for extradition. So if somebody can get lucky enough to get before a judge uh, who's honest, uh, they can fight extradition and get out. Apparently, very few people fight extradition. I'm an extradition fighter, and I was right about the law. So TexasExtraditionLaw.com. Now, I scribble a little list, and if I miss anybody, I apologize. But I did not want to get on here and not thank Cheryl, HR, Christy, who's now in heaven, Cruz, Thelma and Louise, Jane Bond, Dale, Aunt Dodie, Nita, Kathy, Lynn, Rebecca, Michael, Angela, Christina, and Earl. 
those were all people who helped me. And I get kind of, you know, teary-eyed <clears throat> thinking about some of what's going on because, and I've written this, and you may have read it, and if you have, I apologize for repeating the story, but apparently a lot of folks around here didn't realize I was in jail. I was picked up and taken to the Ellis County Jail. I left my cell phone in my Jeep because I hate, you know, I know the judges hate the idea of a cell phone going off or whatever, and I just figured the judge they knew just leave in the Jeep. So I was taken to the jail with uh, my, the money I had in my pocket, my credit cards, uh, my briefcase, which is really a computer bag, and a box of files that I'd used in the case. And I only knew two phone numbers in the world, my ex-wife and my son. I called again and again and again and again. I'm sure at least a dozen, maybe two dozen times each of them. They never answered my call. Never knew, they knew, because the recording comes on, it says you're calling from the Ellis County Jail. They knew where I was. Never spoke to them then or ever since. And you talk about a feeling of desperation. As I sat there trying to get bonded out and had bonds uh, from two bondsmen, and they weren't letting me out, I don't have anybody else to call. I, they, they don't have phone books. They don't let you have a phone book. I was trying to work deals with guys who were trying to get out, but if they got out, to call somebody. And that's finally what happened was uh, one one uh, young man, I helped him with some money so that he could get uh, uh, he could get bailed out, and he made a phone call for me. And uh, as a result, I was able to reach someone who came uh, came to help. But the feeling I had sitting there for three days in the booking area while they were waiting to assign me or whatever, when you know you can't reach anybody and the only people you know aren't going to help you, I, I tell you, that's just, I don't think there'll ever be a lower feeling. I hope there's never a lower feeling in my life than that. Even if I get found guilty and sentenced to the Montana State Prison for seven years, it's not going to be as bad as that. It was just, just horrendous. So I spent a lot of time in all three of my jail stops trying to help the other guys uh, who were in there. And you see young men who, who their bond is like $100. They got a $1,000 bond, it's 100 bucks, and they can't have a family member or somebody to come up with it. It just, you know, just drove me crazy. So I, you know, able to help some people out and felt good about that and, uh, and have made some, I'm sure, lifelong friends, hopefully as a result. But uh, if again, if you know somebody uh, who gets put in jail or whatever, please uh, uh, try to help them uh, because it's not a pleasant situation. You're you basically cut off from just about everything. And some of these jails, you can't even call. Like in Missoula, you don't even have the ability to call somebody unless they have an account, and it's all outrageously expensive. Um, so quite an eye-opener in many ways. I definitely will uh, have become a, uh, a, a champion, if you will, for people in jail and prisons. And um, it wasn't all a terrible experience. Some of you have read about the fact that I had two just fabulous cellmates in Ada County, Idaho, Joshua P. Hooker and Alex T. Gibson. These guys off the charts, IQs, probably 150, 160, I mean, just incredibly intelligent and uh, funny 
And I, I felt so lucky to end up getting put into a, a cell with them, and we just immediately hit it off. And uh, I told them we should write a book, and so uh, so we did. And the book's titled Bob Barker and Me, Life in Cell Block 7. And uh, we have a sweet lady who I will not name who is typing her little fingers off, trying to read all the hand-printed stuff that we wrote. But we, I'd say the manuscript in hand printing is probably about, oh, I don't know, 400 pages. So I think we've got enough to give us a good-sized book there. And, and Hooker is just an incredible poet, and I think his, po- his poetry is the star of the book. But uh, we tell witty stories about things and, uh, and uh, also deliver a strong message about what's wrong with the judicial system and the penal system. So it's going to be available on Amazon.com. And uh, I have high hopes for it. I think, I think people could receive it well. Um, we're proud of it, and I guess that's all it, it, it needs to be. So uh, you know, you'll hear more about that when we actually get it to Amazon. And uh, I do need help on the cover. And that, if Carrie Crittenden or Robert uh, Getzinger, if you guys are on, uh, I love the style you guys use. And I was hoping maybe I could impose on you guys to uh, to do the do the cover for us. But the book is funny. The book starts with a glossary of terms because there's an outrageous assortment of terms and acronyms used in jail. And it starts with a warning that says, this is the nastiest book you're probably ever going to read. It's written in jail language. Now, I don't think I'd very often said uh, uh, fuck, and I know I'd never said motherfucker. But in Texas, I must have heard those words 45 million times. And uh, uh, so there's a lot of stuff like that in the book. And uh, I, anyway, I hope people will, will enjoy it, and I hope we'll reach people with a, with a message. And, you know, if we can't entertain them, maybe we'll deliver a very strong message to them about about what's going on, but uh, these guys are still in jail in Idaho, hoping to get out sometime here, uh, you know, this summer. Uh, one of them is drugs, one of them is alcohol, and uh, um, really nice, really nice guys. So, all right, I've thanked people. I've told you all a little bit about the book. I've told you about, uh, you know, my experiences. Uh, I can tell you before I open it up for questions that when I said five years ago, that I didn't know if there was an honest judge anywhere in America, and people thought, oh, that's over the top. I don't know if there's an honest judge anywhere. Well, there may be one here in Missoula. There are not very many. But there's a a justice court judge who uh, I gave her an autographed copy of my wanted poster. I asked her if she wasn't going to reduce my bond from the $4.1 million, would she raise it to a billion? I said, you know, if it's going to be outrageous, let's make it record-setting outrageous. And she got a big kick out of that, or some judges would have cried, now you know what. So she's, she actually treated me well and seemed like a nice person. She's not an attorney. She's a, a justice court judge, not an attorney. So I, I liked her for that reason alone. Um, I, we have a, the situation is just beyond comprehension. I'm not allowed, Pat Brady and others don't allow me to say the word unbelievable anymore. Savannah 77 said unbelievable. It is, sadly, it's believable. Um, and uh, 
We, the, the, the biggest problem is that these people in power do whatever the hell it is that they want. They could care less about what the law is or what the facts are. They do whatever they want, and they're not held accountable. And so us honest folks get screwed up one side and down another. And as uh, uh, Judge Mary Elizabeth Bullock said when I interviewed her for the movie, she said, if there's anyone in America who believes they're going to get justice when they walk into a courtroom in our country, they're sorely mistaken. And she'll be one of the stars of Lawless America movie. The movie will be completed. The movie will, you know, it wasn't going to have me in it. Uh, those of you I filmed will recall that I said I didn't even have on a microphone, so you needed to speak in sound bites because I didn't want my voice to be heard. And, uh, you know, I, wouldn't, I wasn't going to be in it unless there was a little bit about, about my experience with the federal judges in Georgia. But now, sadly, uh, a big part of the movie will be the efforts to stop it and the corrupt activities that have taken place uh, as a result of the movie and, and to me. And it actually gives us a more compelling story than just giving the story of, of the other people. So uh, I think that the best ending would be if I'm found guilty and sent to the Montana State Prison for seven years. That's got to be a shocker for everybody at the end of the movie. Though I'm hoping that we'll have the second best ending, which is that I'm found not, uh, not guilty on June 24th. Um, I want the movie to be finished the right way. I don't want it to be finished uh, cheaply. And I'm hoping that some of the stuff that I've gone through uh, will help us in reaching um, one of several big-time filmmakers uh, who might take this thing and, and finish it. And if any of you guys know, know somebody who's you know, a, a significant player, uh, that's one of the things that we need to do. You know, I've got all this stuff that I have to do, and, you know, that's really important, but I don't have time to do it. Go out and contact some of these folks. Uh, you know, maybe if the trial gets delayed for a month or something, then I might be able to have the time. But um, that's one of the things that we need. And uh, the movie film is safe uh, in several locations. Uh, including one location. I don't even know where it is. So nobody can waterboard me and get that information out of me. Yeah, we ought to, uh, somebody should contact the divorce court people. They could pick this thing up and take it and run with it. That's a good, a good thought. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, Michael Moore, uh, you know, I thought I was close to having a meeting with him once, but it didn't happen. But we need, if I get sent to the big house, um, uh, then somebody else is going to have to pick it up and, and take the ball and run with it. And um, I like to make contingency plans for whatever the heck may happen. So one of the things that I've done as I sit here in my motel room is I've prepared a box that has every just about everything I can think of that I would need if I get put back in the slammer again and uh, with instructions to someone to come and get the box, go to the post office, put postage on them, and mail it to me. That's apparently the only way you're going to get any information uh, is if somebody mails it to you. And um, but I, I I've gone through several people in terms of helping on the website, and I, I just hate to ask anybody to volunteer to do anything. But if there's folks out there out there who want to see the movie finished and want to help on the website and make sure the website's maintained, if I'm uh, tied up. Uh, 
please contact me, Windsor in Montana at yahoo.com. Uh, Bill at BillWindsor.com still works. They both now come to the, uh, to the, same, to the same spot. I've had a lot of time to think uh, while I was in jail for 134 days. There's not a lot to do other than work on your legal stuff or sit there and think. Um, and I just, I come back to where I was in the very beginning with this stuff back in 2010. We have the same needs. There's mainstream media isn't going to cover this. We need to create our own mainstream media with, with internet, with websites. Uh, we need to find a celebrity who would get behind this, you know. Uh, and we've talked talked on these talk show shows before um, about um, you know some of the people. Like, you know, what, if Oprah Winfrey got behind wanting to battle government, judicial, and law enforcement corruption, can you imagine? Uh, you know, there's a number of other people who've been you know active and vocal, Matt Damon about different things. Um, I just wish we could somehow get to to one of those. Um, but I think that the, the, the idea that led to the movie and the reason for the movie was to reach a large number of people so that we can educate them and shock them as to what's going on. And that idea is, is great and still exists, but there really needs to be more. And if some of these other things could be done along with it, uh, we'd be, um, we'd be in, in, in much better shape. I, but I don't know. I, the only other thing I would say that I wanted to be sure and mention to everybody is, Please think twice before you decide that you're going to step out and put yourself on the firing line uh, in battling this stuff, because these folks will do anything. I mean, there is absolutely nothing that I think that, that people in power won't do. Um, so you need to be careful. And I would suggest, you know, I, I caution people not to even comment on the Facebook page. Because uh, then you're going to become a target for the Joey's little kid people, and uh, so just be careful. And you know, I'm I'm a fighter, so I jumped out there. And, you know, if somebody said, "Would you do it over again?" Uh, I still would. I wouldn't want some of the things to happen that have happened, obviously. But but uh, I wanted to step out and do this because I didn't know if anybody else would. So um, I I I would do it again. And I will, whether I'm in jail or once I get out of jail, because I'm sure I won't be there forever if I go, uh, I'm going to be working on this. I'm going to be, be battling this. There's you know, multiple movies that can and should come out of all this. And uh, I was approached before I came to Missoula, Montana, by an agent for Court TV about doing a weekly television show. I never finished the the pilot because I was afraid to because of this temporary order of protection. So I think that I think I told you know I told the agent I said I've got he said could you do a weekly show I said I could do a daily show for three years and I'd have to go on the road to get any more information. So um, that would be spectacular if something like that could happen. I watched some of these shows that come on when you're in the jail, you know, and say, what, well, how in the world did that person get a, show, a reality show or that? Uh, constantly amazed at some of the things that are out there that somehow people are watching. Uh, certainly our stories are very, very compelling and uh, will shock people, and I would think that we could get a good audience. Yeah. I don't know that I'm the right person to do it uh, because my reputation has just been 
completely and totally obliterated by these uh, cyber stalkers. I am every kind of monster in the book if you read the stuff that these people have written. And uh, so I may be a liability, but I can sure be a strong asset, you know, behind the scenes. But we may have to have somebody else who uh, uh, steps to the steps to the forefront. All right, I, you know, I can talk forever. You guys know me well enough to know that. So why don't I shut up? Pat, yours is the only phone line open so far. Anything you want to say or ask about? Pat? No, Pat? I'm sitting sitting here thinking about uh, what you have sacrificed at your age and um, just trying to make sense of it all. Now, talking about criminal charges here, not the... Uh, controversies mm-hmm. but that's the way it is and so many people just don't understand that uh, we can't trust our courts who are we going to trust uh, um, go to uh, Macy's department store and ask for judicial relief? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, the only no one... venue we have got, and it's just so corrupted. You know, the, the whole idea we have relative to special regulatory grand juries that would be created, uh, where that's where you go when you have complaints about corruption in government. Um, well, there's video we out to that. In the past, you know, we've got these people who uh, who are in power, and they're going to keep anything good like that from ever uh, reaching the forefront. But you know, we'll tell the story about it in the uh, in the movie. There was a video. Pardon me. There's a video out today from Florida. Uh, it looks like they're going to go for, you know, the common law grand jury down there, mm-hmm. which would be one of the first that I know of. Step in the right direction. Well, uh, you know, I I was accused of that being what my plan was was common law grand juries, but you know, all everything I talked about was going to the existing county state local grand juries, and only, you know, once or twice throughout the, a different form of dealing with things. One of the ideas that I had was doing something like what they had done in New Hampshire, but uh, where the legislature actually reviewed cases and, and uh, ruled on whether or not they felt the person had gotten the shaft or not. And yeah. uh, But I don't know. I mean, I, I, I've got a, one of our people we filmed uh, allegedly was put in jail and the Dakotas for doing a regulatory or a special a common law grand jury. I'm not sure. I never had a chance to uh, to read it, but um, yeah, don't know. I heard but, that story. I heard that story too. But he was a um, really serious renegade. Well, the story going around was that he did it because I told him to do it, and that's just ridiculous. <laughs> you can read everything about me. I've done everything. You know, I'm responsible for global warming. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that I didn't that know that, though. I, I didn't? didn't know that. I am. I'm the one responsible. 
So, I'm teasing. I don't believe they've said that, though they probably will tonight. Uh, <laughs> just about everything else. Pat, I'm going to mute you and bring uh, Hans on since he's uh, was early to rise here. And just raise your hand right. if you want to talk again. All right. Yep. Okay. Okay. All right. Am I here? Hans, you're here. How are you, sir? Yes. Uh, uh, pretty good. I, uh, I'm looking forward to being able to speak with you, and now I actually can do that. That's great. Well, you've emailed uh, me several times, and I've you know able to give it a short little response, but that's about all I've had time for. So, right, yeah, uh, and uh, I understand that, and I'll tell you, um, a lot of people are looking forward to being able to see. Uh, Lawless America become a movie. Uh, it's going to involve now what happened with the Sean Bushi episode, and uh, I suppose that is an attempt to detract it from its original goal. Uh, we have here in Southern California just as much uh, legal corruption going on. It's it's pitiful. The the stuff that I've sent you included uh, attachments of what we've been through, including going all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. We've been denied hearings at the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, an effort for nine years now to save uh, my mother's home. Uh, what attorneys that uh, charged us $6,000 a month uh, for, which is to try to save the home, uh, turn around. those attorneys turn around and, and, and uh, join the opposing side to get our first-party homeowner's insurance to pay them a third of a million dollars. And these are the people who my mother originally contracted with uh, to, to remodel her home. Instead of a remodel, of course, we're dealing with the whole roof being taken off, doors, windows. She was just left completely obliterated like World War II. Uh, and she had to pay another $145,000, whatever it was, $1,000 just to be able to put a roof and stucco back on her home. Eventually, she's led into bankruptcy because she's trying to get uh, these damages paid for by her insurance and by, her, uh, by, you know, by, by the people who owe her, and she can't get anywhere. Uh, the, the story, I feel, is enough to be able to publicize our own version of what happened and maybe link it to the Lawless America series so that people can understand there's more than one story. We've got a lot of videos going on. We've got a lot of documentary evidence to show how attorneys <clears throat> uh, file for bankruptcy after taking $6,000 a month uh, from this homeowner, and th those bankruptcies are allowed to stand, but the homeowner is trying to go for bankruptcy herself now because she's been paying just these humongous amount of fees and she's prevented from going bankrupt. Uh, she's said to be vexatious uh, and, and, not, and prevented from going bankrupt and prevented from refiling and because of that ruling then they come after her some more and I believe you've, you've gone through some of that same oppression with the Georgia courts uh, making that same kind of finding against you. So something definitely needs to be done, and we definitely here in, in Southern California have to take our part in the movement to be able to get the word out to the people. Well, I, uh, you know, I, I hope to be able to focus my attention on this in the near future rather than focusing my attention on not going to prison for seven years. Uh, so as soon as I can, I will, and it's nice to, uh, to connect with you. I'm going to open up well, a couple other phone lines. Any questions, Hans? Uh, yeah, well, if you want to go ahead and email me with any help that you, you're looking for, of course, I'll I'll be here to help. Yeah, several people, you and, and a couple others, uh, who I'm not sure if they're on the call or not, had asked. And um, th there are a couple of areas of some legal research that I could use some help on. I don't think it's uh, requires somebody to have 
gargantuan legal knowledge, but you've got a great background. So I will I'll get back to both of you. And if there's anybody else who would like to do some uh, some legal research online or whatever, just a couple of issues I have, that is an area where I could use uh, a little bit of help. I've got motions coming up that are that are due that I, I need a little more uh, uh, case law on. All right, thanks, Hans. I'm going to go to pseudo anon. Let's see. Here we go. Pseudo anon. Hey, Bill. How are you doing? Good. Yeah. So, first of all, thank you very much for all, all your efforts. Uh, I think you're the only man that I'm aware of that has personally taken on this gargantuan effort against uh, Goliath. So, um, now, so the only point that I wanted to bring about is, um, you know, social media, public social media, mm -hmm. you know, I, that's sort of a necessary evil, and I, and I know that. Um, but being myself involved in the technical aspects long before the Snowden incident, as people call it today, most people don't realize that, you know, that's just uh, short of just icing on the cake. Um, know that a lot of effort can be coordinated anonymously by using, you know, encrypted tools like PGP, Enigmail, um, and then these new decentralized network um, a company called MadeSafe, and I believe they're, they're based in Scotland, is developing basically the new Internet where all this stuff can be coordinated without risk of, uh, um, you know, jail time from these corrupted officials. So I sort of wanted to get your opinion and the group's opinion on the use of this, um, of these tools. Well, I don't know enough about them, but certainly I'm interested. Uh, our server is now in Iceland uh, with a company that specializes in hosting sites that, uh, uh, governments might meddle with in other places. Uh, so I think it's probably something for a discussion once uh, we can have a show and just talk about that as a as a topic. Yeah. You can lead the discussion. Oh, absolutely. I've been in uh, sort of the industry um, for about three years now as far as the newer technology. We, we all call it the Web 3.0. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, any anything that I can do to, to help, even legal research, I do a lot of that too. So anyway, that's all I wanted to say, you know. Right. Well, shoot, me, uh, shoot me an email so I know what your real name is, and, uh, and we'll go from there. And I, I thank you for tuning in and your nice comments. And as I'm sitting here looking at the screen, I realized when I thanked people, I should have also thanked uh, Crystal. And uh, Crystal uh, Cox was the original uh, target of Sean Bushy. And you know, I reached out to her once I got out of jail and um, and said, uh, Crystal will probably remember this, said, gee, thanks, Crystal. I'm facing felonies because of you. And I said that in, in some way yeah. humor. Well, and, uh, she, uh, she, boy, she started sending me stuff, you know, and I had no idea this stuff went back to like 2009. So, Crystal, thank you for everything that you've done, and you, you, you can read, the, if you've got a lot of patience, you can read the whole saga of everything uh, with Crystal. And the, the, the authorities here want to say that it's Crystal and me who are sending out all these things. I mean, it's just, it's just utterly uh, ridiculous. 
But yeah, we will find out uh, if they're once they once I go to the police station and give this stuff to them. If they don't investigate it, then all uh, all the gloves are off. Uh, they're just absolutely corrupt. And if they yeah. investigate it, then great. If I may add, Bill, Crystal brings up a good point, which is sort of uh, a, a really bad narrative. It's, but it's, but it's being anonymous is, um, you know, be proud and, you know, lots of logs, videos, and all that stuff, which is that's not what we're talking about. What I'm talking about is if you're not anonymous to a certain extent, what the government can and will do and has done before is, for example, for example, shut down servers where your blogs are, or shut down your accounts, um, or mess with your um, telecommunication capabilities. They have done that. They will do that, especially if you're talking about battling a multi-billion-dollar industry. Yeah, and for those who don't know, my website was taken down by law enforcement. My Facebook page was removed for nudity, pornography, and solicitation of sex none of which ever was on the Lawless America Facebook page, and my longtime email account was canceled for violation of terms of service. They, of course, would never tell me what violation that might be. So no email, no website, no Facebook. All happened within a period of about three or four months. So, right. Uh, they're just they're lovely people. They'll do uh, whatever they want. Now, I uh, uh, a huge part of what's happened to me is an effort by the people in Texas to not have to be held accountable for the largest case of defamation in U.S. history. So by putting me in jail and blocking me from being able to get access to legal files, statutes, computer, anything else, it put me in a position of not being able to respond on things. And so after they ordered $325,000 in sanctions against me, claiming that it was malicious for me to sue the guy who publicized that I had a plan to kill every government official in America. I thought that was a little bit defamatory and hundreds of other things. They've stuck me with a huge uh, uh, award that I'm appealing, and the judge has now dismissed the case because I wasn't in a position locked in jail to be able to go and appear at hearings, and he wouldn't let me appear by, by telephone. So that's a big part of what's going on here is this is an effort by these people to, uh, to get out uh, from trouble. And I want those who are listening from the Joey's Little Kid group to know there isn't anything that's going to be stop, stopping me from uh, pursuing those people legally, criminally, civilly. Uh, if, if I have to do it from jail, I'll do it from jail. But uh, I am, I'm going to pursue those people, and I'm not going to let them get away with what they've done. And if I can prove uh, some of what I have uh, kind of half of the proof on, uh, it'll be interesting if we can find honest judges. I do happen to think the 10th Court of Appeals in Texas, who has my appeals, has shown signs of, of being honest. Otherwise, they could have dumped me out long since and haven't. So we'll look forward to, if they rule in my favor on the stuff that happened in Texas, then all the Texas crap goes away. But hey, I could end up being taken back to Texas to stand trial for felony bond jumping. Uh, that's in my future. All right, send me an email. Yes, sir. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to somebody else. It looks like I've got Scott here. Scott. Oops. Can you hey, hear me, Bill. Scott. How are I you? I can. This is an old friend from your living room back uh, in the Georgia days, and I had gone away for a little while and come back, and we had talked uh, through the process. But I wanted to say thank you for the help in the past, 
and um, your friend Batty and others, uh, and David, I don't want to say all names because everyone has their yeah. ability to be however they want to be on it, but um, I pray that you remember me uh, well and uh, just know that you know, you're definitely in our hearts, our thoughts, our prayers, and I've sent you a couple of texts. I think I have your old cell phone number, so I'd love to talk to you privately because a lot of the experiences I went through definitely helped uh, bring about a lot more. And obviously some of the stuff is you know, more on the private side because of what's going on behind the scenes, and they like to see us make public controversies because that way they can really get us chasing our own tails and, you know, battling a lot of legal things instead of getting back to the basics of law. And um, you, you know what I went through <laughs> with all yeah. the stuff in Atlanta. And uh, the one thing I could say is thank God that I went through all that because it helped me get to the other side to really find shortcuts to get through it for those that follow me. So uh, without getting into all details, because I wanted to you know, get you so you're prepared for your case going forward, but again, all you have to do is ask, and you will receive the help. You are definitely there for me, and I just want to return the favor if, if and when you need it. Oh, thanks, Scott. Well, you and I, yeah, we had some interesting times together. Scott was there the day that I got to testify before the Fulton County Grand Jury. He was one of the people who was in the, uh, the waiting room, if you will, while I was inside uh, testifying. And when I came out, you overheard you 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 want to tell the story about what happened with them taking the jury away? Uh, it was absolutely crazy. I, I do remember some of it because I remember that there was a couple of the jury members that spoke to us and were concerned about the way that it was handled. And um, you know, well, the one thing that I'll a, say, yeah, you, you they took them out. They the, took them off to another floor to set them up to be against me. <laughs> And then they brought the jury back, and then they, when I went in, they were totally against me. And then I just kept had I had documents where I could prove the things they were saying weren't true. And uh, so then they said, "Well, if you can come back and give us a no more than a twenty-five page document and footnote all the evidence, uh, you know, we'll, we're going to look into this further." So then I returned, and I don't see anybody on the call who was there when that happened. But I go go back, and they end up removing me. Uh, from the courthouse and give me a criminal trespass warning and not allowed to ever go there again. <laughs> this is in the middle of my grand jury testimony. Oh, well, Scott, have you been and out and about for long? I have. Um, it's been about a year or so, a little bit over that. It was last April. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'll go into all the private details because some of the things are still being battled up in uh, D.C., but in a very positive way. And, um, you know, it goes to the root causes of all this stuff. I mean, you know, people always say the love of money is real evil. If um, people really took that to heart, they'd understand how all this stuff really does boil down to that. But, um, you know, just keep up the good fight. Don't allow them to get you, you know, down into the mud because, you know, when, when, when they get you down into the fights over, you know, facts, one of the lawyers, I think you remember in my case, said the facts don't matter because they try mm -hmm. to use the processes to get you in a position to have jurisdiction over you. And once your status brings you into a, a public controversy, it's virtually impossible to lose. And, um, you know, I don't try to get to be, you know, too religious, but I am one of true faith. And when it says about trying to settle before you go to court, I, I think I know why it says that in the Bible, because uh, settling things privately before it ever gets there usually is about the most fair way to do it, because once you go get into that situation, 
uh, especially if you don't know how to navigate the waters. You're filled, you know, you're in water with a bunch of sharks, and uh, often that can be very dangerous if you don't know how to swim quickly and get out of there quickly. Yeah. Well, it's great to hear your voice. Email me, windsorinmontana.yahoo.com. My telephone, uh, after being turned off for like 84 days of being in jail, is so mm-hmm. filled with voicemail that it, I can't get the message to leave that says it's 100% full to get the messages gone. So I can't even get to the text or the voicemails. I went into Verizon oh, and they weren't much help, but I've got to, got to get somebody who knows what they're doing. Hey, listen, Scott, thank well, do you. Me and a favor. I'm going to say Post, – yeah. yeah. Post your uh, email real quick. I don't have a pen with me, but I'll, I'll jot it down here in a moment, and I'll, I'll shoot it, and it'll come from that same uh, Scott, some that legal at Gmail, yeah. and please contact me privately later, and uh, I'd love to, to give you whatever I can to try to help you uh, navigate this next month or two here. Thanks, Scott. And it was interesting that I was contacted by some people who were in the pokey with you who needed help. Oh, yeah. It's, it, there's a lot, and, and Atlanta's really – started a lot of the stuff nationwide but uh we'll get into it and just you know god bless you just stay stay at peace try to find some joy even when uh this stuff is going on and you know keep your health and your sanity and, and try to like i said try to find a little way to laugh through this thing because that's the only way you can stay sane well let's talk sanity uh bye scott um i am insane these all these people here in montana the, the story is that's completely and totally you know, off the wall, insane. So obviously that was uh, spread by the, the Joeys and, and uh, Sean Bushy. And when I met initially with the prosecutor, my court-appointed attorney, and the investigator, uh, after uh, I was taken back to my little cell, the court-appointed attorney spoke with the prosecutor and the investigator, and they said, gosh, we're surprised. He's like a normal person. <laughs> when I was picked up by the two deputies down in, uh, in Idaho and brought to Montana, they said, I talked to them for seven hours. It was nonstop wonderful guys, uh, Zach uh, Sergeant and uh, Bill Burt, Captain Bill Burt. We got to know each other great. And they said, well, you're not crazy at all. So, uh, but that's the story. You know, one of the things they're going to do is try to declare you crazy and you know what? Here in Montana, they got people to believe it. Um, so I will have you know that I was declared sane in Idaho. <laughs> I went to see, uh, have to see a mental health specialist because my claustrophobia was just driving me crazy and the shaking is so bad. And so I, I sent a kite. A kite is an inmate request form. And I sent a kite in saying that I needed to see somebody because I was concerned that my claustrophobia had gotten just so bad. Uh, Or if it's not the claustrophobia that I need to be diagnosed because the shaking is just, I'm sitting here looking at my hand and it's like I was playing a drum with my left hand raised off the table. It just jumps all over. I mean, it's jumping an inch, inch and a half, two inches and back and forth. It's horrible. So if I hold down on something, it, it won't. But anyway, the mental health lady asked me a bunch of questions, and we spent time, and she said, uh, she said, well, I've got uh, uh, good news and bad news for you. Which do you want first? I said, I don't care, whatever you want. She said, you don't have PTSD, you're not crazy, and I can't give you any medications to help you with your, uh, your claustrophobia. I said, all right, well, I guess I'll take the fact that somebody has certified me as, uh, as being, being sane. Uh, that these uh, Joey's little kid people and everybody thinks that I'm just uh, crazy. Uh, 
I guess people said that about Jesus and Martin Luther King and Susan B. Anthony and other people that I had nothing like. Um, but um, as I said about being classified as a vexatious litigant, if being a vexatious litigant means you're refusing to put up with the corruption of uh, people in courts, I'm proud to be a vexatious litigant. And, uh, and I'm not crazy, but I am one determined son of a gun. All right, uh, Batty, I saw you're on here. Hello, sweet lady. Gail, I saw that you're on here, but your little phone's uh, lights aren't on, so you haven't called in. And Dottie, Dottie was just number one helper for years and years with Lawless America. She's on here. Love Dottie to death. I don't know who all of you are uh, because I just see, like, cities and states and stuff. But here is, uh, yeah, I, I think you're right, Hans. If I got some justice, my claustrophobia would perhaps get a lot better. But I tell you what, it's really bad. And the, when I saw the prosecutor the other day, she said, you're still shaking. I said, yeah, I think that it's going to take a while for this stuff to settle down. And it may be that one of the medications I'm given for claustrophobia causes the shaking. That was the original diagnosis I had from the psychiatrist that I saw in Atlanta for years who diagnosed me with the, the claustrophobia. And... Uh, he put me on one medication, and it, it, I started developing a tremor. We, he took me off that just for 30 days or 60 days or whatever, and then I, I wasn't shaking anymore. But the only other medications he would put me on, the second medication would put me to sleep. So uh, now I'm back to that. Uh, but I didn't have it for like 30 days, and I was still shaking. So I don't know. I don't know. John Rowland. John, are you there? Hi, Bill. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good for a jailbird. Yeah, well, it's been interesting. I've been quickly following your case as well as I can from a distance. Of course, you know I have my usual comments on this issue. I think that you set yourself up by trying to make a movie with the implication that you're holding some stuff back that they may be able to suppress by doing the things they're doing to you. And I think Ed Snowden provides the model for the way things have to be done. You have to get it all out right away. Mm -hmm. forget, forget the editing, forget the consolidation to a nice, neat movie or TV series or whatever. Just put out the ROM footage, get it out to millions of people, let everybody make their own copies, just have them bouncing around the internet from for now and forever. And uh, don't try to keep control over any of it. Okay. Just put it all out. Well, that's a good idea. Probably one that should be followed. So uh, any uh, luck with any getting anybody decent elected down in Texas? Well, uh, here in Texas, it's been a little rainy lately. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Right now, it's just hot and humid. But it's a uh, situation, legal situation, is on the whole a little better than what you're reporting in Montana or that we get reports from other, many other states. Every state has a share of corruption, but I think the people of Texas are a little more actively resisting it. So it's yeah. more difficult. We've got it more at bay. That doesn't mean it doesn't happen, but they get into trouble more often by becoming corrupt than they do in some other jurisdictions. Of course, that's, of course, we can never relax, but it's a, uh, 
it is a more comfortable environment from that viewpoint. Anyway, is there, if there's anything I can do to help, you know, I have the ability to edit videos. I certainly have the ability to put it out on servers anywhere in the world. I certainly know everything about, you know, say everything. I know all about encryption and modern techni techniques, modern tools. I'm a computer professional. And, uh, you know, my word is just, uh, but to get it all out there, I want to see every interview you've ever uh, uh, produced out there on bouncing around on various people's YouTube sites and uh, whatever sites they've got until they can until they're shut down and, and another pops up on another one. I got a huge game of flack a mole. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, I appreciate the great idea, and uh, I'll be back to you on that. Okay. Thanks, John. I'm going to go to somebody else here who's got their hand up. Listen and learn. Hello. Just listen and learn. Oh, just listening. You're just listening? Yes. Okay. All right. We'll let you continue to listen. Okay. Uh, I have South Carolina, Central Illinois, Eastern Michigan. Uh, I've got Rhode Island. Bill? Rhode Island? Is that Rebecca? Hey, Bill. Hey, Rebecca, my oh, pen pal in jail. Thank you for your letters. Oh, my pleasure. You know, when I was incarcerated falsely in October, and then again recently, Cato and her mom, Barb, wrote to me all the time. So I... Mm -hmm. uh, Pay, pay it forward kind of thing, but, you know, I also feel like I owe you for the rest of my life, given that you risked your life for my son, Oliver, and it's really important for me to be here as much as I can for you, but I'm having the same struggles. I'm two days behind you, 132 days incarcerated, um, and and I, I'm listening to people, you know, telling you to go ahead and get that movie done and blah, blah, blah. And, and I don't mean to sound rude and, and, and condescending. It's just that I don't think people understand when you've been incarcerated um, what it does to you psychologically. And, and it takes time. And unfortunately, you're still in the fight. You are in the fight. You, you, you can't possibly recover yet. You, you can't recover until it's over, until there's some uh, disposition. And I don't think people realize the energy it takes to do what you're doing just to get up every day and survive right now. Um, you're being, well, you're being, excuse me? You were the one that caused me to really focus on that and realize it. I mean, I think that the reason my system so up, is so upset and I've been throwing up and everything, my body has not been able to recover from eating bland food, for one thing, or it's just, I'm sure it's just the stress of everything. Um, of, of course it's you know, stress. It, it's, not, it's not easy. I mean, when you're in jail for 134 days, you, you, boy, you lose track of everything. Most places, they don't have a newspaper. They have a television that you can't see. And, uh, but, you know, fortunately, I had nice guys everywhere. The nicest were in Texas. The two nicest out of all were my guys in, in, that I was with in, in Idaho. And because I was locked up and what amounted to maximum security for 22 and a half hours a day, that writing of that book with those two guys probably was the key to keeping me from, you know, really having even more trouble with the claustrophobia. 
Yeah, it takes it takes a little while, and there are books written about uh, how some people, you know, never recover and what they need to do, you know, once they get out of jail and stuff. So, I yeah, it, uh, it's it's horribly traumatizing for people like you and I who've never been in trouble in our entire lives, and then yep. all of a sudden where we've we, we've become criminals like I, I recently gave my mother my resume my vitae my resume and and i said mom look how did i go from this to a list of my criminal my arrest <laughs> like how did this happen mom my mom by the way is so excited you're talking she's like what are you doing now she says they're gonna put you away again my mother's very aware of corruption and she's very aware of what they've done to me so she's she's always telling you know that the mink squad don't get my daughter into trouble. They'll put her away again. You know, she, and, but she's, she, my mother is just starting to come around to this after 10 years. She's like, oh, my God, you've got to be kidding me. And I'm like, no, Mom, this poor man, 66 years old. He was in prison. Do you understand, Mom? He came to Rhode Island to film all of me, a story about Oliver, me and Oliver, Oliver and I. And, and he's, he's never been in trouble in his life. And, you know, she's just like, what are you talking about? So I have to put her on the Internet, you know, like, look, look, look. But, Bill, I have to tell you, amazing, amazing stuff has happened here in Rhode Island around corruption. And and even, and I'm so grateful because I, I really want to tell you that all about this. Like, I don't want to tell you everything because I know there's limited time. But we are kicking their asses in Rhode Island. They're, when I was incarcerated this, this last time, for 48 days, I I was watching the news, and this man I reported to the FBI was on the news, and he's going to spend three years in federal prison. He was the Speaker of the House in Rhode Island. They took him down. The FBI is listening to us in Rhode Island, Bill, and I think, I believe it had to do with you. You blew this right out from underneath them. They didn't know what to do, so they tried to capture me, right? Put me in the mental institution, <laughs> put me in the prison. They tried everything. I drove them so crazy in the mental institution that they, this, the, the, the fucking, see, like you, the fucking, the word fucking comes out all the time, you know, when I'm talking about this stuff. I never swore like yeah. this before, ever. Um, but when they put me in the mental institution, they had no idea who I was. My ex-husband's sister, sister's who's an attorney's friend, put me in the mental institution, who's the head forensic doctor in Rhode Island. He said I was delusional and had a break in reality, and I didn't tape record my psychic, forensic psychiatric evaluation with him. But I did, and I have it. And he put me away. And then they court ordered me to be drugged. But the entire time I was locked up in there for 66 days, I was on the phone with the Office of Inspector General, and I taught all the psych patients how to use the phone and call them and tell them how they abused us. Oh, they could, Bill, they kicked me out of the mental institution. They literally <laughs> kicked me out. They, kicked, they lied to the judge. They told the judge I passed the competency test. I did not. I never even went to the competency classes. The doctor gave me the answers to get me out. It's crazy <laughs> what I've been through. And so I know, Bill. And I, I told you I lost my car, my house, my job. My reputation is somewhat is still okay. I mean, I'm still very public. I own a business. I'm, I'm, I'm working every day, but I'm struggling because they, I can't teach anymore. I'm a psychologist. That's like the hell out the window. They've really, they've really done a job. But even today's paper, today there's a, a website called Go Local Prov, 
they were talking about a man, and I don't want to say who he is because they will come get me. They will, Bill, I have to be very careful and show you. They will come get us. They will find something to get us for. I, I, I wrote to the FBI last week, and the Mink Squad mothers are like, what the hell are you doing? Stop doing that. They're not listening. Well, let me tell you, the same man I wrote to the FBI about last week was in Go Local uh, Prague today, and they're calling him a criminal and a corruption, and he's in Congress. So it's it's coming around in Rhode Island, and I have to say, you did that. We did not have this before you came to Rhode Island. We they 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 never expected, like you know, these crazy women running around, filing motions, doing this, doing this. They never expected we'd go public, and like for, they never expected our our stories to go all around the country. So I and I really believe it's because you exposed it, you started it, you brought it to the light here. Well, I think you've given me too much credit, but I'll take it. No, no, no. <laughs> I know where credit's due. And believe me, I, I don't think I know many I accomplished. The only what? thing I know I accomplished for sure was to get a whole lot of people free Subway sandwiches in uh, Minnesota. I know I accomplished that. <laughs> and we have pie. They bought everybody in the courthouse Subway sandwiches so they wouldn't walk out past my cameras. That was one of the highlights of the trip. Well, Listen, you know, I'm, I, you, I, Rebecca, it's great talking to you, and I'll never forget do the movie, Mommy. Do the movie. That's what Oliver said. So you did. Now, you took it Mommy, a step further. The movie. You did print up posters, color posters, with the pictures of the people you said were crooks, posted them all over town. That kind of got you on the radar. Oh, they, they, they killed me for protesting and, and exposing corruption. I mean, I'm involved with people like the Speaker of the House, the past Attorney General. These are, not, these are people who are my ex-husband's sister's friends. It's, it's, yeah. I'm, be, I'm battling the top people in the state of Rhode Island, just little old me, because they've pretty much killed everyone else around me. I don't see anybody else around me anymore. They're, they're in hiding. We're all afraid. I'm afraid every time I get in my car and I go out that I'm going to be picked up. I listen to you. I, I, I'm, I'm always worried. I'm always, I, I'll give you a hint, Bill. Keep cash on you at all times, because yeah. if, they pick you up, if they pick you up, you know you don't have any money in your account. So, well, let me, let me stop you there and tell you that I... When I was picked up in Texas, they illegally seized and searched my laptop and hard drive. I suspect that they sent copies of it to the defendants in my civil case. And when I am inside the AT&T store in Idaho, wasn't even in a car. They didn't follow me there. A woman at FedEx said that was where I was going. They, they took all my money, and I had, I had my bond was supposed to be hundred grand. I had $10,000 cash in a fanny pack all my credit cards, a cheat sheet of phone numbers to call, uh, the people that I could get who would help. And they took it all and said it was evidence. And they impounded the car, took everything in the car. We finally got it back, but there was no search warrant, no rights to get it. They don't care. You know, I have a hell of a civil rights lawsuit, but of course some judge will just dismiss it. But the violations of my civil rights are unbelievable. In, In jail, they don't even know what how to spell civil right or, or constitution. Uh, they Either that or they just play dumb, but they, they just don't care. Well, nice well, people, they, but they don't care. They're not practicing the United States Constitution at all. It's like, yeah. what is going on here? And, and for me, my only outlet is the FBI at this stage because I can't go anywhere in Rhode Island. They're all connected. You know, the nep, nep, nepotism here is so 
broad that I can't go anywhere. Everyone's related to everyone. And so I ha- my only chance is the FBI, and I told you, uh, somewhere in the last year, the FBI moved across the street from the Supreme Courthouse. And and I was there last week uh, with someone, and I won't um, tell you her name, but I've, I, I've told you, and I don't want to do it publicly because I don't want them to target her. But I was there, and I said, what are you all a bunch of idiots? Do you think the FBI moved across the street from you because they have nothing else to do? They're watching you. My group alone sent the FBI video, tape recording, documents, transcripts. We must have sent two, three, four hundred complaints about the court system. The FBI is eventually had to say, what the hell's going on here? They have Maybe. to. Well, you would yeah. hope, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, but I there was say, a federal was, judge sorry. in Oregon, a federal judge in Oregon said that it appeared to him that Sean Bushy had committed a number of crimes and instructed that it be passed to the FBI. And if Crystal's still on, Crystal, they never did anything, did they? And a federal judge passes this thing saying, I believe this guy has committed a bunch of crimes. Rebecca, I'm going to cut you off because I've got a couple okay, people yeah, i got to get go. on. Okay. Yeah, All right. I, I, Love you. Thank you. Yeah, uh, if you've got friends, neighbors, relatives who are in, in jail or prison, write them a letter. Oh, my God, the feelings that people get when they don't get a letter – you know, their little hearts are broken and stuff, and it always hurt me. What hurt, bothered me the most was the guys who didn't have any money to buy anything from the commissary. So I'd say at least half of the stuff that I bought, I ended up, uh, you know, giving away to other people. And uh, I got uh, Cheryl to uh, to send six guys who never had any money, uh, $25 uh, money order, so they would have money and would be able to buy something. And the jail sent them back saying they weren't allowed to do it. Well, she's pretty clever. She's figured out how to get the money to them, I think, uh, mailing to friends or whatever on the outside. But, uh, uh, you know, there was uh, something was run saying, you know, put money on Bill's books or whatever. And I never asked anybody to do that. And uh, uh, but what I did was if anybody did put any money on, it was spent on uh, on guys who didn't didn't have any money or who couldn't make phone calls or whatever else. So um, I, you know, I was um, I, I was a, a favorite guy in, in almost all the, the jails because I was doing things, you know, to help other people. And that's just, I just, I, I love being able to do it. And it really, it just breaks your heart to see, there's a young guy, 24 years old, he's going to go to the Montana State Prison for quite a while for some kind of silly stuff that he did. And, uh, and he has nobody, nobody. So... Uh, I've become, uh, you know, his friend and his, his pen pal, and and uh, we'll try to help young Patrick. Uh, you know, my Cheryl was kind enough to print out all the rules and regulations about the Montana State Prison because he was panicked about not knowing what the rules were, and he got those and was just, you know, like a kid on Christmas, you know, and there wasn't a big question. He could read all about it. All right. Um, Dark Knight asked, you know, what – what am I charged with? Uh, and so I guess you joined after the call started. I am charged with five violations of a protective order. Uh, the, a temporary order of protection was issued ex parte on August 23rd, 2013. 
and I'm charged with violating it by sending a tweet, even though tweeting is not mentioned in the protective order, publishing a guy's name four times on two legal documents, even though you would think that that wouldn't violate anything, and sending an email to the attorney for the University of Montana, which you're required to do by Rule 5 of the uh, Federal Rules of Civil Procedure. So those are my horrendous crimes. Three of those are felonies because the first two they're calling uh, misdemeanors. I filed a motion asking them to declare all of them misdemeanors because the law says that you can't escalate to a felony until there's been a conviction. Well, I haven't been convicted of anything. You know, the traffic or parking ticket in 15 years as I left the state when I'm in court. Um, so that's what I'm charged with, violation of a protective order. And this protective order was issued on, uh, to the guy who just completely lied his ass off, said that I had driven by his house repeatedly and had a gun and was waving at him and that I had assaulted him, said I assaulted him, that uh, he never sent me an email. I've got 67 emails and about seven or 800 online posts that I can produce the guy sent. So this guy's the one that, that thinks he has a protective order. But protective orders, ex parte, are not valid in 17 states. They're invalid. Texas is one of those states. So I don't know why the prosecutor, I guess she just knows the judge is going to do whatever she wants. But you can't tell me that those crimes, with the possible exception of, of someone sending an email to an attorney um, at the University of Montana, that's the only thing that had any impact in that in that state. And there, there'll be a few surprises for the prosecution in my evidence, and there's so much evidence that I don't know if they'll uh, if they'll they'll find it until I present it at the trial. Um, but there's a few surprises in there in terms of things that uh, things that I did. But they have to prove that I knowingly and purpose purposely violated the protective order. Well, I a didn't believe there was a protective order. And, uh, and B, never intentionally, you know, did anything. I didn't send the tweet. The emails were, was required by law. The publishing of a guy's name in two legal documents, there's nothing that says that that's illegal. And I didn't realize I did it. Once it, I saw it was there, once I got out of jail and learned what the charges were, since I went, spent 53 days in jail in Texas, and they never even told me what the charges were. Uh, and I found out what... Uh, uh, what the charge were, I went and looked to see if I actually had this guy's name in this in this article, and it was uh, reproducing uh, request for admissions. And yep, there was a name four times, so I took it out real quick. Uh, it was there, but the minute that I learned of it, so I don't know how in the world they will show a jury that I knowingly and purposely uh, violated this stuff. And I don't know how in the world, you know, nothing but a corrupt judge is going to allow it to go forward here because. Uh, Whatever was done was done in Texas where nothing was against the law. And besides that, all of these things are constitutionally protected rights. It's like you forget to remember some of the basics. We have the right to publish a name. We have the right to send tweets. We have the right to send emails. Uh, we have the right to do websites and film movies. This is just as fundamental issue of constitutional rights as you can get. These prosecutors just uh, just ignore that. And I said to them, how in the world do you have an oath? How in the world can you uh, you do this stuff? So, oh yeah, and Hans, it's a very vague order um, because it doesn't say anything about tweeting, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a whole lot of reasons why there's no way in the world it should fly. I did attend the drawing of the jury pool uh, just to make sure that hopefully it was uh, legitimate. Well, how do you know it's all done with a computer? But I went and saw them 
populate the screen with 100 names. So apparently I'm the only person who's ever gone to do that. And uh, I will be prepared to take this to the federal courts, though they hate me at the federal court in Montana. But the Ninth Circuit has been very friendly to me. As a matter of fact, the Ninth Circuit just recently issued an order saying that sending the service copies to the attorney for the University of Montana is required by law. And uh, so that's nice. I'll use that in my case. All right. I have uh, Brenda Battle-Jordan. Are you there, Brenda? Or did you give up on me? Oh, Brenda, you were guest 45. I had you clicked on, and she went away. Well, if you come back, come back, Brenda, and let me know. Let's see if she's giving me another number. Nope. Sorry. Well, uh, I understand that, uh, that Ken has passed away. I'm sorry to hear that. Sweet, wonderful man. Uh, who I got to spend time with on several uh, different occasions. If you, if you're back on under another number, Brenda, shoot me an email. And I'm sorry I didn't get to you fast enough. Uh, let me talk for just a second about um, um, the mur the, the 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 shooting death of uh, of one of the people filmed for our movie in Tennessee. And if you've seen the article on, on the website about, about this, wait a minute, there's Brenda. Just a second. On from the start. Okay. All right. Well, Brenda, I, I see your stuff. I don't have time to read it right now, but I'm sorry I'd open the phone line so you could talk. And uh, I'm sorry that I wasn't able to, uh, to get you on. Um, let me tell you where the article is here. Yeah, all right. It's If you go to the bottom of the homepage of lawlessamerica.com, more articles are listed, and there's 20. And Don Acre was shot and killed by Nashville police in his home. Uh, that's the story. Don was filmed by me in Memphis and in Nashville. He also came to Washington, D.C. Uh, nice guy. Uh, I I don't know the full story. Uh, he goes by both Don and John, but he's he's dead now. Somebody said there were 21 shots. I don't know if he shot anything or not, but there are four policemen and 21 shots. I'm just amazed that this hasn't been uh, been covered somewhere. Uh-oh, it says I timed out. Can you all still hear me? I'm logging back in. I don't know if y'all can hear me or not, but I no longer have the uh, have the screen. I went to look away and turned back, and it said I was logged out. Anyway, I don't know if anybody else has read anything new, but with all these stories about police stuff, why in the world has this one just not even been covered? Um, I'm trying to get logged back in. Not taking it for some reason. Well, I have no idea if you guys can even hear me. I hope you can. You probably can. I suspect it's just my screen that went away. Uh, and it's not letting me get logged back in. Let me try refreshing this and see what goes on. But anyway, if anybody knows anything more about uh, about uh, Don Acre and about that about the shooting, uh, you know, supposedly the, the officer who shot him and uh, 
one or more of them have been uh, put on leave or whatever while they investigate. I'd love to hear the results of the investigation. Uh, but from some of the stuff that I read, you know, Don never indicated to me, I never got the feeling that Don had uh, uh, mental issues, but he he was, he did get to where he was concerned that he was being uh, uh, targeted, uh, targeted by people, I may well have been. That was the only thing that I ever saw. He was very much a gentleman, and uh, but from something that I read, maybe you know things deteriorated with him a little bit in the last year. Something happened in his life, and maybe things changed. So uh, supposedly he had a gun in his hand in his house. I'm not surprised at that. And um, uh, but I'd love to know. I'd love to know. The, love to know the story about that. Um, most of you, if you haven't read Lawless America, a wonderful lady, Christy, who helped me, she was the one that came to my aid when I was in the Ellis County Jail with nobody. And it was the weirdest thing. I was, they, they holler out, uh, Windsor, a uh, visitor. I never had a visitor. So I go and it's on this computer, this, you know, computer screen or whatever. And here's a woman who, I thought I kind of recognized, but she told me who it was, and she was, she's about two years younger than me, and they lived three or four houses down the street from us when I was in the third grade. And I might have seen her once since then, but that would have been, uh, you know, over 50 years ago. And she came out, and she was scared to death of the Joeys, scared to death of the Joeys. And, uh, but despite that, she got it up and she was going to help me and she just did all kinds of stuff. And, uh, we met for, um, after I got out, I went out and took her a little gift and, and bought her a Mexican lunch out near where she lives, kind of general vicinity out near the DFW airport. And, um, she was doing great. And then I get notified while I'm in jail uh, here that she has uh, come down with a really bad case of shingles. The next thing you know, they've diagnosed it as lung cancer and cancer several other places. And she didn't live for more than a few days after I got out of jail here. So she went from being diagnosed to being in heaven within just a matter of a, a, a very few weeks. So I, I love Christy to death and just, uh, you know, have to think that's an angel when somebody comes uh, out of the past, you know, with my alleged loved ones wouldn't do wouldn't even answer my telephone call here this woman drives a couple hours down to ellis county and uh, and helps me out and uh you know hope the joeys don't pick on her she's in heaven no you're alone so i can't get can't get logged in folks so i click start my call it still says there's 40 people on and i have another talk to web chat client open okay maybe it's hiding somewhere Wait a minute. Hang on. I may be back with a screen to see who all is on there. Okay. All right. So we still have a bunch of people on, and I'm back able to uh, to uh, let people on. So, uh, uh, Dottie, what's the deal? How do you raise your hand? I can't remember. Is it star eight or something? What is it that people press in order to raise their hand to say they want to talk? Somebody want to type that in down here? I've forgotten. 
uh, until that happens. So. Nutka Bear. Oh, we're unmuted. You're unmuted. Are you, how are things in Atlanta? <laughs> Not bad. How are you doing? Well, I've been better. Yeah, I've been better. Worse. Sounds like you've been through hell. I have, Janet. Just a wild experience. Yeah, it sounds wild like experience. it. You know, if I could get arrested 3,000 more times in every county, I could really get the goods on a bunch of corruption. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> There's like three thousand counties. I've only done three, but they're just as rotten as they can be. Yeah, prosecutors like. who lie their ass off, you know, and will say anything. And uh, tell you what, this but this guy Patrick Wilson in Ellis County, the district attorney, he is the scum of the earth. And oh, really? I, more than anything else, I pray that I don't have to be in prison at all or for very long, so that I can go down there and campaign for someone else running against that guy and get the corrupt people out down there. Uh, yeah. I would be delighted to go door to door and talk to people about this guy and the stuff that he's done. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see whether the bar association or the attorney general will do anything. Ha ha ha. Uh, yeah. so. well, yeah. anyway, I saw you were on here and I knew who you were. So I wanted to click. How's James? Yeah. Hey, I'm glad to glad to get to talk to you. I'm, I'm trying to keep up with you. You know, all that time was like really impossible. <laughs> well, yeah, it. Uh, I you know I kept disappearing, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, you did. Well, yeah, listen, you... it's good to hear your voice. And there's some people with their hands up, so I'll I'll go to them now. Thanks okay, for tuning good. in. Okay, good. Thanks for now. You need a paralegal. Newt Kabir is a paralegal, and uh, she can do some good stuff. All right, who's number one? Eastern Michigan. Five hands are up. Eastern Michigan, who's there? Hello, Eastern Michigan? Or while we're waiting to see if Eastern Michigan comes on, let me comment on National Liberty Alliance. Uh, the National Liberty Alliance thing popped up while I was really busy, and I haven't had a chance to study it. I figure it's got to be great because the Joeys hate it. So it probably is great. But I don't know the stuff about, you know, uh, citizen grand juries. I'm not into that that kind of stuff. But you know, if somebody wants to educate me or maybe I should go to a call on a call or something sometime and uh, and learn more about it, um, you know, it, uh, I think it's interesting. Liberty Alliance, Lawless America, L.A., the, and the, the Joeys have gone crazy over these, this guy, apparently. Michigan, are you there? Eastern Michigan? I'm not hearing Eastern Michigan. All right. Uh, next, uh, says Howard. Oops, Green jumps around. Howard, is that you? Yes. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. Sound like it. So, uh, how are things with you guys? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, well, <clears throat> I had a, a bad, uh, I had a second stroke. Oh. Uh, yeah, I just had this February and, um, I died twice, uh, once for mm -hmm. about a minute and my wife revived me and then once for three minutes and, um, nurse revived me in the hospital. 
So it's well, pretty bad. I'm glad you're still alive and is uh, your sweet wife out of the pokey? Yeah, <laughs> she's out of the pokies. <laughs> she's been out of that for a while. Um, well, but, for those you who know. don't know, uh, uh, Howard and Nova Lee were the victims of a uh, a, a SWAT raid with teams of armed people raiding their house 30. and uh, and the, and evicting them. And they got it all on film, and it's just it was illegal. But you know what? They just did it. So. Yeah, uh, and they continue to uh, harass you. But I tell you, yeah, if somebody comes, the SWAT team or whatever comes, turn on your cameras like Howard did. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know what? The funny thing is, um, I have all that, and we're still going. Yeah, you know? um, six years, and they still don't let up. Um, I know, for instance. Uh, February was the time I was supposed to be there, but I couldn't. I had a stroke, so I wasn't there, and I didn't have uh, 30 or 29. I guess it was 30, but um, 30 uh, instances of that over and over and over and over and over again within a two-year period. So 30 times I had to go to the um, to the jail. Uh, to the to the um, sorry to the um, to the court and you know here I am here I am <laughs> yeah and you know it's, it's, it's really amazing because the one thing I want to say is that um, I give a lot of credibility to Dr. Huffer Dr. Um, Karen Huffer uh, Karen Huffer that's right and she's been like a godsend because um, had it not been for her. And her whole training and everything else, my wife wouldn't have gotten her certified advocate, and my friend wouldn't have gotten a certified advocate. And so she, they're now going into all the courts in Georgia, and they're going and cleaning house, <laughs> basically. Um, well, they but, need a big burn. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. But um, at the same token, they're very important people to me, and so it was Larry and, and my wife, and um, but nevertheless, Karen Huffer is doing it all across the nation. And you, they had an ADA symposium down here in uh, Atlanta. It was about two weeks ago, and they had 850 people there. Uh, a third of them were about disabled with wheelchairs, and they couldn't get around and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, she attended all the courses, all the trainings, and I just kind of went through a wheelchair and went to the, the, the uh, vendors, the 41 vendors, and uh, you know, just did what we had to do. And there was there was a, a lot of classes. They did a lot of classroom activity. Activity, and the eating symposium is is really good to go to. And I don't understand it, but how come there was only six people from Georgia there? So I don't understand yeah. what that was. You know. Um, six people being me, my wife, and Larry, and then three other people. So yeah. that was really strange to me. Um, also, I don't know what happened to uh, um, Governor Deal. Um, uh, Governor Deal, I don't know who else was supposed to be there. John Lewis, Cassine Reed. So Mayor Reed, none of them were there, and no representative showed up to them either. 
So a whole 850 people weren't met with them. <laughs> they were on the program, so I don't see what the problem was. And I don't know. So some people say we got dissed. Well, I, you know, it's uh, it just never ceases to amaze. Um, one of my favorite and, stories from D.C. was uh, the one that you and Nova Lee told about when you were in whose office was it? Uh, Which senator? Probably, probably Lewis or one of them. I mean, we were we were in a number of offices, so yeah. But you were there, and you had the Lawless America stuff, and yeah. they asked what you were doing there, and you said, "Oh, I'm here for Lawless America." And they said, "Oh, we wondered when we were getting our package." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I don't know who yeah. it was though. It was somebody who said we we got a package. Remember who? You remember who it was who said it got a package in Lawless America? Uh, we don't remember. But um, we went to a number of offices that were really good. I think about 20 or 15 or something like that. And, it was, you know, it was a lot of work. <laughs> well, I think, I think but, it's safe to say everybody in Congress, at least back in 2013, knew what Lawless America was. They didn't yeah. like it, but they knew what it was. And, uh, but, um, you know, I, I really want to say that um, even though um, – even though – uh, everything happened the way it did. Even though we are where we are, we're still fighting. You know, we're still fighting with every breath and we can. And you know, um, and believe it or not, there was a very important person at the ADA conference. Uh, her name was. Uh, she held the position DOJ criminal division. Uh, and it was the uh, disability disability people. So she was in charge of that. And she came and she said, wow, we don't know what to do. Uh, I, I talked to her for 20 minutes. My wife talked to her for about another 10, 15. And uh, nevertheless, they had a, uh, had a, uh, um, they had a last class. Last class was of the, of the weekend or the week, whatever, two days, was what to do when the DOJ comes knocking. <laughs> and we were like, "Wow, <laughs> what does that mean?" <laughs> and uh, you know, she said, "Well, this send us three things," and we had them. And we said, "You know what? We're going to send it right to you." And so we did. <laughs> so we got a ticket, and we're ready. <laughs> yep. Well, when the DOJ comes knocking, turn on the camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Howard, give yeah. Nova Lee a big hug for me, and I'm on to the next person, John Rowland. All right. Thanks, Good Mike. to hear your so, voice and hang in there. Yep. Good to And I, I will continue to I'll continue to fight forever. I mean, I've told people I was committed to that. And, you know, when they take your family and everything away from you and and so viciously defame you, uh, hey, you got to keep fighting. What are you going to do? Stop. Not me. John Rowland, you had your hand up again? Yeah. Um I just wanted to comment on video recording. Okay. Uh, you know, it doesn't it doesn't really work to make a video recording of something that's happening where you are, uh, because if you're within their clutches, they're just going to seize your recording. Mm. So what everyone has to learn how to do is to do video streaming. Okay. That's where the video is immediately uploaded to a remote server. So even if they seize you and your recording within seconds, 
they still can't stop the, the signal. And that Very once it's well, out. Now we, we did that from D.C. I'm not sure if it, uh, you know, and so we never went to anywhere, but it streamed live. I can't even remember what service that was, but. Well, there's one called right. Ustream, but now, of course, there are things like uh, Periscope, which is currently an app on uh, 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 iOS machines, Apple computer, uh, uh, lab, uh, phones, and so forth. But you can, it's, it will soon be out on Android. And with things like that, you can send it out so fast that they can't block it. And once it's out there, you need to have people watching for it so they can immediately make copies and send them everywhere. So many copies, they can't possibly track them all down and destroy them. The only right. way you can, right. we'll get the only, the on only way people can protect themselves is to make sure it's to not hold anything back. Never, ever, ever think that you, there's any kind of insurance in having something, in holding something back that you can use as leverage. You cannot hold, use it as leverage, nothing mm -hmm. whatsoever. The only thing that can protect you is getting everything out immediately to the whole world. All right, sounds good, John. And, Thank you. And, and, if, and if it needs editing someday, let somebody else, some historian, edit it. Yeah. We're in the business of producing raw raw data. Yeah. Leave the editing to a future generation. Well, I would love, I'm going to click you off, John, and pull somebody else on here. Uh, I would love to continue just filming and going around the country. So maybe if we sell enough copies of uh, Bob Barker and me, Life in Cell Block 7, uh, it'll finance it. I am also doing, I have worked on Lawless America as a book, uh, which kind of tells the story of people filmed in different places and everything, you know, in, uh, in book format. Uh, it was something I could work on while I was uh, uh, chained up and not allowed to have any legal files. So uh, uh, hopefully I'll get that done. I guess it'll depend on if I get locked up again. Uh, locking up, being locked up is good for your having time to do things like books. Uh, let me tell you that I have determined after being in three jails that there is one way you can be pretty well assured you'll never be arrested. First, you have to be white. Second, you have to be a woman. Third, you have to be over 45 years old. Fourth, no tattoos. Fifth, no drug use. Sixth, no alcohol use. So um, uh, everybody in jail had tattoos. I was the only one in the first two jails who had never used drugs. And uh, I never saw an old woman. Uh, oh, and blonde hair. Blonde hair is a big plus. Yeah, you're an older woman with blonde hair. Uh, so funny, funny experiences and things that you discover. But uh, yeah, when I was in Texas,